10 Minute Talks. A podcast in which the world's leading professors explain the latest thinking in the humanities and social sciences in just 10 minutes. Hello, my name is Stuart Eldon. I'm a professor of political theory and geography at the University of Warwick, and I was elected as a fellow of the British Academy in 2013. Michel Foucault published The History of Madness in 1961. It was his principal doctoral thesis, but this can be misleading. The requirements for this at the time were substantially greater than those of a modern PhD. The History of Madness stretched almost 700 pages in its original uh, published form. He also had to submit a secondary thesis, which was a translation of Immanuel Kant's anthropology from a pragmatic point of view, along with an introduction. Foucault was 34 years old when he was examined for this degree, which won the Philosophy Medal of the French National Scientific Research Centre for the best thesis. It was a book that made his initial reputation. And studies of Foucault often begin with this book, which was certainly his first major study. However, this was not his first book, and he had been working as an academic for a decade. In my new book, The Early Foucault, I tried to tell two stories. What Foucault did before the history of madness, and how he came to write that book. Foucault certainly published very little before 1961. His first book, Mental Illness and Personality, appeared in 1954, and it was followed by a long introduction to a translation of an essay by the Swiss existential psychoanalyst Ludwig Binswanger. Foucault is credited for the introduction and the notes of Dream and Existence, but the translation was attributed solely to Jacqueline Verdot, but her own recollections and her correspondence with Binswanger suggest that Foucault had a critical role in that translation work. Foucault also wrote two book chapters on psychology, one of which was historical and one a contemporary survey. Both appeared in 1957, but the texts were written a few years before. Finally, in 1958, Foucault's co-translation of Victor von Weizsäcker's The Gestaltkreis was published, although again this was completed a couple of years before and a very brief book review notice has recently been added to this short list of early publications. Foucault had passed the aggregation teaching exam on the second attempt in 1951, and had taught at the University of Lille, then at the École Normale Supérieure in Paris, and then outside of France, for three years between 1955 and 1958 in Uppsala, and then for a year in Warsaw and a year in Hamburg. In May 1961, by the time of his thesis defence, Foucault was teaching at the University of Clermont-Ferrand. One thing that's interesting is that in his posts in France, he was teaching psychology, although within philosophy departments, while outside of France, he was teaching French literature, as well as running cultural programmes. Telling the story of this period in the way that I do would have been impossible even a decade ago. Foucault's biographers, Didier Erebon and David Macy especially, give a lot of detail on this period that was based both on published sources then available, but also with interviews with people who knew Foucault. Foucault was only 57 when he died, and many of his contemporaries were still alive when Erebon and Macy were researching their books in the late 1980s and early 1990s, and so too at that time were an older generation of many of Foucault's teachers. Now, of course, very few people who knew Foucault in the 1950s or before are still alive. But there is now a major source which was unavailable to an earlier generation of researchers, the archive of Foucault's papers. A massive collection of 37,000 pages of material was sold by Foucault's partner Daniel Defer to the Bibliothèque Nationale de France in 2013 
after it had been declared a national treasure by the French government to prevent it from leaving the country. And a substantial deposit of earlier papers from the 1940s and 1950s was made to the same library by Foucault's nephew. These were papers that were found in Foucault's mother's house, likely left there before he left for Uppsala in 1955. Now, together, these archival papers contain many crucial texts. The fourth volume of the History of Sexuality is the most famous, published in French in 2018 and translated into English earlier this year. There are teaching materials from across Foucault's career, drafts of some of his books, some correspondence, and also his reading notes, and also his notes from his studies in Paris immediately after the Second World War. The archive for the later 1950s, when Foucault was outside France, is much more limited, but there are still some important traces in this archive and elsewhere, including in teaching records from Uppsala and Hamburg. And I use these archival materials extensively in my book, which begins with Foucault's studies in the late 1940s. Foucault attended classes by Louis Althusser, Jean Beaufray, Jean Hippolyte, Maurice Merleau-Ponty, Jean Val, and other famous figures. He kept his notes from several of those classes, but given the status of those teachers, many of their courses were also published. Outside of the university, Foucault attended some early sessions of Jacques Lacan's famous seminar. In 1949, Foucault wrote a diploma thesis on Hegel's phenomenology of spirit under the supervision of Hippolyte, long thought lost, but does still exist in a typescript. Foucault lectured on phenomenology, on psychology, on philosophical anthropology. Some of these exist in his own notes, others exist in the notes of some of his students in other archives. Foucault wrote long manuscripts on Edmund Husserl and Binswanger, perhaps intended as theses he never submitted, but which are now being edited for publication. And using these materials opened up new perspectives for me on Foucault's early career. It helped me to situate those few things he did publish from the period in a deeper context, to analyse his teaching, his translation work, and some of the practical work he did in French hospitals and prisons alongside Jacqueline Vaudot and her husband Georges. Foucault's correspondence with publishers and editors helped to resolve some long-standing issues about the dating of early material. Doing the work led me to the archives of Binswanger in Tübingen and Binswanger's colleague Roland Kuhn in Fraunfeld, Switzerland. I spent time in Uppsala looking at the surviving papers of the cultural programme Foucault directed, where I also found the photograph which is on this book's cover. I also consulted in Uppsala the library of medical texts which Foucault had said inspired the work on the history of madness and which he also used for his next major book, The Birth of the Clinic. Part of Foucault's own library, the books that were gifted to him by their authors with dedications, is at Yale University. So doing this work often led me to these archives and others uh, and libraries on the trail of often the smallest scrap of evidence. A radio broadcast from Germany from 1957 was in Bern. The surviving indications of some of the lectures Foucault gave in Stockholm when he was based in Uppsala, these can be found in the events listings of some Swedish newspapers. I tried to use this archival work of, of using archives of other thinkers to add depth to the influence of people, particularly two men who were never formally teachers of Foucault, but were crucial mentors and supporters of his career, Georges de Mazille and Georges Congrium. And I actually wrote, wrote a book on Congrium for Polity's Key Contemporary Thinkers series as a kind of side project to the research for this book. Foucault's reading notes helped to shed some light on some of the formative encounters with thinkers, particularly the work of Friedrich Nietzsche and Martin Heidegger that he took the notes in the 1950s. 
And in the final chapters of my book, I discuss the writing of the history of madness and the work on Kant, and then the publication, defense, and reception of the work. I close with an analysis of how Foucault rewrote his 1954 book as Mental Illness and Psychology, uh, which is the version of the book that is available in English, and how he abridged the history of madness for a popular audience in this smaller pocket edition, but unfortunately this was the basis of some of the translations, uh, early translations of the book. I hope my work as a whole doesn't just show how Foucault became the famous or notorious figure that he is known for today, but also indicates a number of paths that Foucault explored but ultimately did not pursue in his later career. I do use a lot of biographical sources, but I'm clear that this book is not a new biography. It's rather a work of intellectual history. It's trying to make sense of this initial phase of Foucault's career. And I largely steer clear of Foucault's private life, except when this directly relates to his work. So I indicate uh, the importance of the intellectual side of his relationship with the modernist composer Jean Barraquet, and also I discuss the scandal that ended his time in Poland prematurely. But I was interested in what could be documented rather than simply what was reported. This book, The Early Foucault, is chronologically the earliest of the books I'm writing on Foucault's career, but it's the third in a series of books for polity. I'm now working on the final book on the 1960s, which will cover the period between the early Foucault and the two previously published volumes, Foucault, The Birth of Power from 2017 and Foucault's Last Decade from 2016. And the order I've written these books, almost reverse order, has been in large part dictated by the availability of material, either by the posthumous publication programme or the opening up of the archive. And I close the book with a story that at the beginning of the 1950s, Foucault used to joke with his friends that one day he would be elected to a chair of madness at the Collège de France. With the publication of The History of Madness in 1961, he was well on his way. He would be elected to the Collège de France in the more soberly titled History of Systems of Thought in 1970. And that's the period I'm now working on. What happened between the defence of his thesis and his election to the Collège de France? So while 1961 marks the culmination of the early part of Foucault's career, it also points the way to several of his future concerns. Thanks for listening to this British Academy podcast. Please subscribe, share and rate this series from wherever you get your podcasts. For more events and conversations, please visit www.thebritishacademy.ac.uk or find and follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.